0: This week on Dig Me Out, sixteen candles down the drain, sixteen candles, sixteen with your hosts, Jason Diaz and Tim Minichi.
1: Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make motherfucker. You can help us make <laughs> the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Speaking of the union, Jay, we have some new union members. Let's welcome Lorraine Watson and Paul DeVos to the union welcome both of you thanks for joining us and supporting the podcast hope you hopefully you found our our little corner of the uh, discord internet and are joining the chatter over there it's a fun place to uh to uh talk music and um discuss uh, fake red hot chili pepper songs like we were doing today And uh, other
0: things. (laughs) I stepped into a uh, fun-loving criminals conversation and just backpedaled my way back. Oh,
1: yeah, Jay. (laughs) Fun-loving criminals. I was like, hey,
0: what's going on in this channel? Got cool people. (laughs) It's like, oh.
1: Do you know who is a huge fun-loving criminals fan? DX Ferris. DX loves the fun-loving criminals. Not just the Misfits. Well, not just uh, Slayer. He likes the fun loving criminals. So, if that, well, that album comes up,
0: DX Well, now that I've opened my big mouth, I'm pretty sure it's going to get. Oh. <laughs> it's gonna come up because it's happening. Several of our patrons apparently like the band, and I don't know that much about them. I just know that one single. But. Yep. It's happening. You've, yeah, you've
1: willed it into I
0: know. existence. It's like I shouldn't have said anything.
1: Speaking of willing things into existence, <laughs> our polls will the 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 choices uh, or, the, or the or the submissions made at digmeowpodcast.com into our episodes and in this particular poll for uh, March of 2021 there were 9 albums that were submitted over at the uh, website and one of them won and it was it was tight i mean i didn't i knew that there was you know there were some clear leaders right out of the gate uh, but then it was down to two and I wasn't sure what was going to happen. And so these were the suggestions, Jay, for our March poll. It was a very, it was a kind of a stacked poll. So you had, uh, Gary Moran suggesting Pluto's self-titled album. Darren Lehman suggested Rotting Pinata by Sponge. Matthew Talick suggested American Thighs by Veruca Salt. Now it's important to note that we've already talked about both those bands as, um, sophomore slump albums yeah um owen Kassan suggested repetition by unwound matt gory suggested fathom that by peace and silence jeremy amend suggested tantrum by milk eric peterson suggested flame job by the cramps rob suggested magnified by failure we've done a number of episodes on failure and paul kustos suggested the self-titled album by lightning bolt and sadly, Lightning Bolt and Peace and Silence only scored one uh, vote each. Milk's Tantrum had three. Um, you had Failures Magnified and uh, Pluto's Self-Title with eight. Then uh, Unwound's Repetition with nine and The Cremes flamp f- Flame Job with nine. It came down to Sponge and Fruca's Salt. And by two votes, 15 to 13, Sponge, Rotting Pinata, was our winner. And that's the album we'll be checking out on this episode. So, Jay, I know that you, um, you like the second record. I don't know if, don't know if you like the entire thing, but I think you were on board with yep. that, that not being a slump. Uh, was the first record one that you spent a lot of time with in the 90s?
0: No. I mean, I knew the singles very well. Cloud and Molly, um, they were played constantly on Cleveland radio, and I think it was uh, a time too. I'm remembering '94 was we were full full into the alternative shift, so they they were one of def, one of the first bands that were um, getting a ton of airplay and seemed to have a ton of promise at this time. Um, I like those singles a lot. I remember, you know, when they would come on, I would always listen to them. I always thought they uh, were a little different than everything else that was going on. Like it fit, but it was also distinct. Like I didn't get them confused with other bands. And uh, definitely first couple of times I heard um, both songs, my ears perked up in terms of the uh, the songwriting and whatnot. So I never spent any time with this record. Um, I did get into Wax Ecstatic a little bit when it came out. And uh, listen to this a little bit when we reviewed that record, just like so some context of what the rest of the first record sounded like. But that's it.
1: I, I remember this at the radio station that we worked at. I also remember because this band was from Detroit that they got played on the Toledo station uh, a lot. The alternative station that um, yeah. was in Toledo. And... I actually got, so I got the record, and my my roommate at the time was a big fan of this band, so I did listen to it quite a bit when it came out, and when I got this album, I actually bought, I don't remember if it was from Mad Hatters in Bowling Green or from Finders, I bought the UK version of this album instead of the American version, and the UK version had a bonus live album with it, so it was a two-disc set, and it had like three I think three songs. Maybe two two or three songs that were not on the record. Um that I think were ended up being like B-sides to the record that they played live. Uh so unfortunately, you know what I'm going to say Jay, I don't have that CD anymore. <laughs> Uh, we burned it at
0: 128k and just like I will never need this again.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: Have it in glorious 128k fidelity, and I'm good for this rest of my life. Exactly. Yeah, that's what happened. So, um, I did pick up the album
1: again, but just a regular US version for like a buck at a half price books, uh, sometime in the last couple years, so that I have the first and the second records. And, um, so, yeah, that's my disappointment is that I, I let that one go because it's kind of a rarity. Uh, not as rare as the original vinyl pressing. If you can track down a, an original UK vinyl press of the, uh, of the album, it's like going for about 200 bucks. Now, it has been repressed by uh, a couple of different labels. Um, but I've, what I read on Discogs was the, the repressing was not quite as good uh, fidelity-wise as the original sounding album. So it sounds like they didn't, maybe they didn't press it from the masters. Like they pressed it from the CD or something. Um, and I also read, interestingly enough, the, the vinyl version has a different mix of Molly on it than the CD version. Oh, okay. Which is weird. That is weird. Yeah.
0: What? So same tracks, just, just mix different.
1: Yeah. Like not, not I edited, guess they, edited. I guess there's a, um, a radio version which has a slightly different mix okay. and that's the one that they replaced. That's what they put on um, the, the LP as opposed to the CD, which is weird, but whatever. Maybe it was a spacing issue because this record does go over 44 minutes. Thanks to some bonus hidden bonus track material, <laughs> which is called um, candy corn to tie into the uh, cover of the album, the bonus material. So, we did get a lot of comments on this poll. I can't. We're not going to be able to get through all the comments. There were so many comments on this poll, but I'm going to scan through them. Um, I I do like that Martin, who just joined us recently, did not know a single record in this poll. I feel like that's an accomplishment because yeah. uh, you know we think that sometimes we we are doing records that are too familiar to people, and then you know you get one here with you know. I would say one, two, three, four, five have like names that I know right
0: off the Well, I, I think what you're pointing out is that we know these as Americans, but these are not global bands. And Martin, I think, is in Holland, so SpongeBook assault, failure, even the cramps, pretty well known in America. Exactly. Not globally.
1: So, I need to thank. Well, just, just first of all, let's thank everybody who commented. Uh, Willie Dillon, Richard Waterman, David Haverland, Eric Peterson, Angel Jones, Kyle Bittner, Steve Musinski, Keith Badge, David Gorgos, Gavin, Johnny Hooper, Carl F., Darren Leach, Darren Lehman, Jim Zawski, so many, and Sean Brown. Um, when I scan through though, here's the thing not a lot of people commented on sponge
0: <laughs> that's our tradition we shouldn't be surprised the winner usually doesn't get the most comments
1: now richard waterman is a big uh sponge fan so he was he commented he said although failure are my favorite band my favorite song pick my, uh, my favorite pick off this whole poll is definitely giants off of giant after rotting pinata I, I agree because i think uh magnified is not failures you know close to their best record as opposed to you know f- f- Fantastic Planet. So um I could see why you could you could pick uh Sponge. Um which he did. And then uh Carl F said I voted for Rotting Pinata because Waterman asked me to <laughs> and it's a top two hundred
0: Hey wait a minute. There, so, there's there's well, voting You know blocks. what you, that's that's good. That's yeah. okay. Like one of the you should be on there lobbying for your pick. Exactly. You gotta you gotta uh or we've had some instances where people uh, see what they're up against and then they switch sides. They're like, you know what? I was wrong. This other record is way better. <laughs> I'm not even going to vote for my own record.
1: Right. Exactly. Um, so, well, what's funny is that uh, the Sponge record and the Failure record both exude 90s album covers uh, just in terms of their randomness. So uh, it's it was a tough pick there for for Richard. We understand. Um, but again, like not a lot of comments in favor of sponge just got the votes. Um, and then Eric Peterson, at least if sponge wins, Tim will have a reason to talk about Gigi Allen again. Um, I don't want to talk about Gigi Allen, but that's where the album title comes from. Rotting pinata. Did you know that Jay?
0: I learned that on discord, but why don't you tell everybody, uh, is listening what the story
1: i apparently it was a reference to Gigi allen the the famous uh shock musician of the 80s and 90s who um who wanted to die on stage essentially and if i uh i think it was referred to as he wanted people to come up and like beat him like a rotten pinata or something along those lines. I don't remember the yeah. exact story, but it was it was something awful. Yes. Like that. Um so yeah. Uh, but thanks for everybody for voting and 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 commenting and and all this stuff. I do agree with Sean Brown. This poll is an embarrassment of riches. Um it was so hopefully, uh, some of these will get submitted again by people and we can uh, maybe get a, a chance because I would like I think the cramps would be an interesting band to get into, even though they like the 70s and 80s are more their, their prime era. And I do like when we get into un you know lesser known bands, you know, I have no idea what peace and silence sound like or um Pluto Lightning Bolt, but that'll be up to our 12 our month pickers, pickers and grinners, as they say. <laughs> in the in the in the banjo world
0: pick and grinning or, or in the um steve miller band world <laughs> i don't go into that world jay i understand
1: i'm i'm i've turned my it's back on steve miller
0: <laughs> scary in there
1: all right uh but let's just get into it jay tell me one thing you liked about Rotting Pinata, the 1994 debut album by Sponge.
0: Well, I always thought that Wax Static, when it worked well, revealed some pretty cool guitar playing and probably underappreciated guitar playing. So as I got into this record, um, as I, the things I responded to, um, were a combination of. When the guitars kind of sparkle, you know, that use a cleaner tone, they're more melodic, um, they're playing off the vocal um, in terms of a counter. Um, I thought that worked really well um, to the point where I think songs like Plowed and Molly, which were huge radio singles. Now, in hindsight, as I can you know spend more time with them and dissect them with the rest of the record, Um, I start to realize how important this, you know, those guitar parts are particularly like in plow that pre-chorus part is really elevated by the guitar that is overdubbed there. Um, And the same thing in Molly, I mean, they nail that like eighties alternative rock tone, you know, on there and and Mm -hmm. some of the parts, um, you know, sound like, you know, power pop bliss in terms of, you know, the, jangly cool you know guitar tones and that there's like a muted um almost lead in that chorus of that song too that's or after the chorus of that song. that's that's really cool so what pulled me into the record was I think beyond what I had known about the band is just pulling back the layers of that uh, guitar dynamic that's going on in the band and started to realize that you know on the songs where uh, they're maybe less straightforward, uh, a little bit more textured, layered. Uh, the guitars tend to get a little cleaner, um, or at least one of them gets a little cleaner. Those were the songs that I that I was resonating to and really felt, you know, unique to me. So Fields is a good example. Obviously Molly and Plowed. Mild is a good example. M- Miles. Now, Nina Manesha, Manisha? Nina, Nina Manasha, Nasha. That is a super heavy song, um, which I think Giants gets pretty heavy too. Giants has kind of a shoegazy feel for me, which also works. You know, where you get that like depth on the the that those guitar tones, and it has mm-hmm. a ton of texture. Uh, I like Nina Manesha, but it's it's kind of an outlier. It is probably the heaviest song on the record it sounds almost like uh john bush arab anthrax to me oh um which vocally he very much can get close to I guess the, the other main thing about the record that works is just I think he has a killer tone, like vocally. Uh, is his name Vinny? Mm-hmm. Um, Vinny Dombrowski. Yeah, I mean, I think he's just got a great uh, vocal tone. He's got good range. When he grabs onto a melody and really has conviction, I think he can. You no, know, he can write a hit song, right? He can deliver a hit song, which we know. And I think melodically, he can. He can he can cover a lot of ground. I think he's got enough range. There's some pretty nice harmonies on here too. They're not like overdone. Um, they, they fit the sound of the record. Um, But I think just him as a vocalist is noteworthy because he doesn't sound other than the John Bush comparison, maybe a little bit here and there. I hear some we- Whelan, um, Scott Whelan, but I, other than that, I don't think he sounds a whole lot like other, any other singers. So even though I don't think he's doing anything like it it's distinctive, but it's not like to the point where it overpowers the songs. You know, I think Molly, for example, he delivers that just as well as he delivers the heavy stuff, you know? So I just really like his tone a lot. Um, and when it comes together with strong songwriting, well-crafted songs and very, um, I think sharp melodies um, it can be super successful on this record. So those are some of the things that stood out to me, you know, it's giving this a deeper listen and spending more time with it. What about you? I think in terms of revisiting this for the first
1: time all the way through in, in a long time, like I said, I, I own a CD, so I listened to it. I was always drawn to the fact that this sounds like a unified record. Like there is a, like a, a a haze of darkness to this record that I can't put my finger on, and I think it wasn't until we actually did the the wax ecstatic episode that, when realizing that Richard Butler had sang on that record, that this sort of connected me back to eighties alternative, like you mentioned, but stuff like Echo and the Bunnymen and the psychedelic furs, guys that are in that same vocal range as Vinnie Dombrowski, but also hearing those, you know, Echo and the Bunnymen can be a little atmospheric at times. They have this weight to their sound that is on this record that I can't really compare to anything else that was going on in the 90s. There's like this, there's this gauze of of 80s, um, it's not really goth sounding, but there's just this heaviness to the record. And I know these aren't like wildly complex songs, so it must be in their production and then the guitar tones and then the bass tones and in the way that Vinnie Dabrowski sings, that it just evokes this sort of a slight menace. It almost reminds me of the first Interpol record in that way, that there's just this feeling of like dread over a lot of the record, that it's not like metal, but it's just this hanging... uh, darkness over the whole thing that um it's a lot of very minor key stuff yeah i was gonna mention that yeah that's i think that's what drew me to it then and and still makes it sound fresh and interesting because this is i mean it's not a short record but it's in the ballpark you have that last like 12 minute long track which is really you know um if you cut the 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 bull crap out of there it'd be like 5 minutes with all the the dead space. Yeah. So you're coming in at around like 40 something 46 48 minutes. So it's 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 a good length um and some of the songs are are they take their time, especially when you get to like Giants and Nina Manasha. Those are not I mean the first half of the record they're all it's not like um they didn't uh front load it. You know, you have uh, Cloud is, uh, what, the sixth track? Yeah. And, and Molly is the eighth track. Um, So it it sounds like to me like an album as opposed to, let's put those, these are the two most poppy Radio Freddy singles. Let's put them up front and then backload the rest of the record from there. Yeah, the, and I love the little guitar runs on Molly that sound like... Um, like almost like REM leads like something that like Peter Buck would do and uh there's just and then the heaviness of Nita Menasha's got that great like chugging guitar riff yeah it's it's a cool it's just a cool listen if you're in the in the like right headspace for it now is it grungy um maybe uh, in terms of... I can see how this could be connected to, like... In terms of its sort of menacing minor key sound, um, I, I could see how this could be connected to that sort of sound, like, you know, like Grunt Truck and 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 those kind of bands, um, Alice in Chains, that kind of stuff. But it's not as... It's... I don't know. It somehow elevates slightly above that, and it gives you just, like, a little bit different feel. I mean, some of this stuff you know, in, in uh, Cloud, you know, World of Human Wreckage. There's some yeah. pretty like heavy lyrics, um, yeah. which can be a little angsty. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think because his vocal sells it so well that um, I think that's why I had a little bit of trouble with the next record is because there's like swagger on that yeah. record and I wasn't, because I was so familiar with this record, it it kind of caught me a little off guard. Mm. Um, I'd have to go, I need to go back and, and re-listen to that record because I didn't do it. And I've honestly, I've never listened to any of the records after that one. I haven't listened to New Pop Sunday or For All the Drugs in the World or oh, whatever, wow. okay. any of that stuff. So I have no idea. But the i the idea that they would move into a poppier Direction, if that's what the way they went was like completely not what I was interested in. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if they did or not, but. And I don't know what the hell they're doing now because the, the album covers look like. <laughs> they're so bad. Yeah. Local bands from literally from, you
0: know. From a small town in Ohio.
1: <laughs> like they're just they're just awful. Yeah. You know?
0: I own New Pop Sunday, but honestly, I haven't listened to it and I couldn't even tell you what it sounds like. Yeah, I know. I some people talked about that. it in the Discord channel
1: that they really enjoyed it, but I haven't. I've never listened to it. Maybe I'll get around to it at some point. It's in, it is a '90s release, so it could definitely be uh, reviewed if somebody wanted to do that. In terms of uh, you know the guitar playing, I think I was caught. You know, I was I was listening obviously more critically. Now, it didn't feel like I've I kind of figured having been familiar with you know the singles that this was a a a fairly like power chord kind of band but listening to it now it seems like there's a little bit more going on um i mean the lead guitar is doing a lot of really cool stuff i don't know which one which guitar player that is because there's two is joey mazzola and mike cross for this album are the two guitar players i think joey mazzola is the lead guitar player but i i'm not sure exactly but it seems like I mean, maybe it's drop D tuning or whatever, but they get some really interesting voicings on some of the chords that are pretty like dark sounding that don't just sound like, you know, a, a
0: drop D. So did you hear any of that? Yeah, there's um, there's a, something going on with the voicing. And then also. I think there's a lot of work done on the guitar guitars and guitar tones. You know, the mm-hmm. amps the guitars chosen to do their best to serve the part they're playing because right. as i listen to this and really dig into it i'm like okay this is you know something like uh giants or nana menasha is super heavy like shoegazy almost home territory like mm-hmm. distortion and overtones something like molly right it couldn't be more different guitar wise from a tone standpoint and uh, so and then within the record as you dissect every part you're like okay yeah he's really pulled off the distortion there or he must be using this kind of guitar or that's an interesting effect like there's a lot there seems to be a i think a lot of um thought put into what is the part I'm playing? What is the right guitar to use? What is the right guitar tone to use? What is the best technique to play the part? Right. That as you dissect the record, you can appreciate. Maybe at first listen, you're not going to hear that other than just the, maybe some variety, like in terms of just sonically or through the songs. But as I dissected it, I heard a fairly sophisticated guitar, guitar player or guitar players on this. Yeah. Um. At least from a, yeah, a voicing. There are, there's a lot of like, cool use of minors, you know, on here that give it that dark sense. There's a lot of cool cleaner tones, which I'm, I'm kind of mentioned earlier on. But I think when, the, to me, the record really cuts through and is really working, it, it's it's kind of, I think you mentioned the Psychedelic Furs. That's a band that kind of popped to my mind when those tones are working that way. Um, song like Fields is a good example of that. There's more like these overdubs of these like really lush, you know, clean parts. Right. Um, With some distortion in there and dissonance and darkness. So, yeah, definitely a lot of cool guitar stuff on this record.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was stuff that I was getting, like, disintegration-era cure from some of the sounds, just in terms of the the tones, or even, like, um, just, like, yeah, like you mentioned, like, shoegazy kind of stuff that's not necessarily a wash of noise but just building this sort of sonic wall at times yeah that that doesn't just sound like a martial amp in a in a les paul like there's something going on there where there, it's chorus and there's there's some reverb and there's some but not in like a, a bad 80s way uh there's definitely like some interesting
0: technique going on there when you combine that with his voice his tone and like when he grabs onto a melody and really delivers it with conviction, that's super compelling sound.
1: Yeah, like when, in like in Penny Wheels, when that song kicks in from the beginning and, and he starts quiet and then it, and then when he kicks in, like and he starts screaming, "No one!" Uh, that's really cool. Like he's really selling it. Doesn't work
0: for you on this record. I think it sounds to me that some of this stuff is—it's weird for a first record, but it sounds a little underdeveloped to me. So when I listen to Wax, Wax, Ecstatic, that sounds sharp as hell to me. Like they know the—they know what the vocal melodies are. They, he knows how to sing them and deliver them. This I hear moments of that chorus is like that a verse like that you know with the singles a whole song like that but there's also a lot of sections where you know he just kind of sounds marble mouthed like he's not quite sure what he wants to do with the melody um there's something there but it doesn't quite sound formed yet um he's like meandering around to try to really grab onto it and doing a lot of like kind of emoting Mm -hmm. and not really delivering the melody And I think the best contrast is just go listen to the record after this and you'll kind of see the difference to me of like, okay, this is a guy who knows what he wants to sing. This is a guy who's like trying to figure out like what this song is doing or just emoting.
1: Well, it's a lot moodier
0: of a record. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe, you know, from that aspect, some people are going to respond to it better, you know, just the moodiness of it, you know, some of the material, a song like Rotting Pinata, for example, like starts off so promising, but then it, goes to a fairly standard feel like punk rock song, which mm-hmm. I don't really want to hear this band do that. It's a fine enough song, but it's not It's not delivering on what I want this band to be about. Or, or um, if you're
1: going to do that, do it in two and a half minutes, not
0: four minutes. Yeah. Because that beat is pretty repetitive. Yeah, it just doesn't have the depth and texture and moodiness to it. It just cuts to like, it starts off that way. Like almost when it starts off, I'm like, boy, this sounds like Tom Petty or something. Like, where are we going? And then... Right they take a left turn and it just turns into a generic sounding punk song um, or alternative punk song or whatever. So there, there's, you know, dips like that on this record where either gets a little droney, slow. um, You really have to rely on the mood for it to work. I struggle with them. Something about sonically on this record is very weird. Like the f- singles sound good to me. Like those sound like, they Know what they want the band to sound like, and the person producing the band and engineering the band and mixing the band knows what they want the sound the band like want the band to sound like. But there's a a lot of other moments on this that just sound muddy, like mm-hmm. not quite sure, like almost to the point where you know demo quality. Um it's really strange because the whole record isn't like that. It'll be passages or certain songs. Um, or sections of songs where it just it just sounds muddy like it, it lacks fidelity or depth um, you know I was listening to it on speakers and it was kind of missing like mid range like it had lows and highs, but like all the mids were gone it was very strange um so there 's just something going on here sonically that i don't i don 't love um, I'm, i don 't know if it 's a bad mix or bad master or what, but it 's just a kind of a weird sounding record especially again when you listen to the record after this you're like okay this sounds sharp and punchy and like this is what a rock record should sound like um this sounds like it's you know a a step up sometimes from a four track so did you you hear that
1: yeah and i i did look into the so this was mixed by two different people um both named tim by the way tim palmer who has a pretty lengthy career. I mean, his his career goes back to the early 80s doing, like, uh, you know, mixes for Kajagoogoo and and um, Cutting Crew, I mean, I- in Paul Young. And then all the way up to, like, he worked with them on this record and he worked on the next record, okay. um, like of Static. Uh, but again, not, like, the whole record, just, like, certain songs. Mm, so he... Yeah mixed if you're looking at it just from a singles perspective like well maybe they went in and remixed the songs that they thought were singles he uh mixed drown in but then tim Padlin, yeah he did uh so uh tim palmer mixed six of the songs tim Padlin did four of the songs and he mixed molly so even though those are like kind of the best mixed and, and best sounding songs of the record. They were done by two different people. Interesting. Um, okay. And in terms of recording that record, I believe that it was Tim and his brother Andy and he was his tech uh, when they recorded this. It was basically the same crew, but they yep. got a slightly different mix from Tim Palmer um, on some things. And I don't know if that was done at the behest of the Recording label, or you know, the the record label, because um, this wasn't originally. This was released through Columbia on a record label called Chaos. Um, which, if you go look at what Chaos was putting out, it was really an, um, a, a hip hop label. It had people like EPMD, uh, Redman, MC Search, Public Enemy. It was a singles label for the most part. And then they started getting into, I think the first uh, release that they put out was, uh, they put out Ned's Atomic Dustbin single. And then um, it was, again, mostly just, oh, they put out a Silverfish record, which was uh, Leslie Ranskin before um, Ruby. And um, not a lot of rock. Mm. not not at all it was almost entirely hip-hop
0: um so on on streaming it says it's the label is work is that a columbia so i think it's just depends on the territory or something
1: because um there are 26 different versions (laughs) of this oh my god so maybe chaos so like if you look at this on on it says work, Columbia chaos work work chaos chaos work Sony work Columbia chaos 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 Columbia, Columbia House, <laughs> work Sony. I mean, it's all over the place in terms of uh what the depending on which territory they were at. So work covers, I guess, Canada. Um, because I want to say that that was the um.
0: I'm looking at some of the... We got Mercury Rev, uh, Len, Eagle Eye Cherry, Neil Finn, Dan Byrne, Jamiroquai, Imperial Drag. Those are some of the artists I see on that label.
1: So... Okay, so it says on the profile page, a unit... Work was a unit of Sony Music's Epic that was the successor of Chaos.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh, this is like a whole... This could be a whole podcast series. Chaos Chaos was formed in 1992
1: by Sony as a dimension of Columbia. Oh, my God. (laughs) Its greatest prominence was its position as a sub distributor of several Def Jam catalog titles from (laughs) 1992 to (laughs)
0: 1994. To make it even more confusing. When Sony's stake in Def Jam was purchased by Polygram. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's a mirror. So now you know why there would you say 25 versions of the 26?
1: Yeah, 26 versions. Um, And then in 1994, which is when this came out, Sony dissolved chaos and its catalog structure into the work group. So this basically crossed over from the from chaos being dissolved and work being started. Uh, And that's why it's on two different labels that are basically the same label.
0: How about that? It's a miracle we can even listen to it.
1: I, I seriously, the the, the <laughs> rights to be able to listen to this thing is gotta be it. Mean, I, I wonder if the band has been able to get them back to like reprint stuff.
0: Uh it doesn't uh, look like it. <laughs> Cause there's a re recording of uh I noticed of uh one of the songs, maybe Maybe Molly.
1: Oh, they did Rotting Alive, I think. To um, to be able to release it like dude, they basically played the whole record straight through in 2014 and released as a as a live album on three one three records, which is basically Sponge and some other bands.
0: So anyway, the other thing I hear is just and tell me if you disagree with this. I, and I could be totally biased just because of their singles and I heard them so much, but man, Molly and Plow sound from a songwriting standpoint, so much sharper than the rest of the record. Um, it's hard to uh, deny that for me, you know? Mm-hmm. You just can hear like Molly like right away. They're into the hook. Uh, plowed, they're right into that guitar hook. Um, they're sharp, they're short. Punchy, like, uh, it's hard to when you one of the downfalls of having you know done that with two songs. I, I want the rest of the album to sound like that,
1: yeah, yeah. The, the those are the clearly the obvious uh tracks in terms of, of being the best on the record. Um,
0: was there a third single? I'm sure there
1: was. Rainin' was, was a single. Which is a fine song. I mean, you'd really have to hit big with those first two singles for for Rainin to be mm. a, a single. So the original single that was released by Chaos was Nina Manasha as the A side and Rotting Pinata as the B side. Now that might oh be a God. bit of promo for the record before it came out. Um, but then Molly was the first single that work put out that you could buy. And then Plowed was the second single, and Rainin was the third. There was a promo, at least. You can actually get seven inches of Molly and, and Plowed, on, which I'm su- surprised, in 1994, there anybody was doing a seven-inch single. Um,
0: but they're out there. Rainin has an okay chorus, I guess, but it's a five-minute song. You'd have to do a radio edit of, of The that. bridge of that song is terrible. Like, rarely do I ever think a bridge is terrible. Usually, like, even on records I don't like, I'm always, I always, like, notice in my notes, I always say, hey, the bridge is okay. <laughs> this is, like, one of the few few songs where they get to the bridge. I'm like, this is completely unnecessary. Just cut this whole part. Right. I I, I do think that this
1: is two really, really great songs and then an album's worth of album songs. Like, yeah. None yeah. of them are really uh, singles. It doesn't make them bad songs. And a lot of them have really cool parts and, and some interesting melodies and some dynamics that are interesting. But none of them hit as as well as Plowder or Molly. I mean, those well, are yeah. clear singles.
0: To the point where, uh, let's just take Rain and since we were just talking about that and they released a single. Like the chorus, I think, of that song is is there. Like it's close enough it's missing like a killer guitar part to go with that vocal hook right but the verse and the intro and the bridge and like it's just the rest of it just isn't as good no and there's a lot of moments like that on this record where i mean it's hard to say it's hard to say this with a first record because you would think they would put all the time in the world into it but it just feels like some of this material is not as well developed um as those other two songs are and um, I'm not sure what happened there. Like if the producer got more involved, or they just spent more time or was it was just magic? I don't know. But um, there are some promising other songs that just don't get the love they need, I think, to fully be crafted to the point of the other two.
1: Well, I don't think this was their first band. I think these guys came together to form this band because yep. Vinnie Bron- Dombrowski was in like a. He had another band called the Bradford Youth Gang. In the '80s, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're in the like hard rock.
0: Uh, wasn't he in a band called like Prison Shake or something? Or was that somebody else in this band? Is um, he wasn't originally a singer, right? Wasn't he a drummer in another band or something?
1: Give me one second. I'll I will. I I think you're right. It was Loud House. Loud House. He Say was in a band, a band called Loud House <laughs> that was on Virgin. I mean, they put out a, yeah, yeah, a, a you yeah. know a record. That um, <laughs> Loud House, Prision Shake, whatever.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you got the idea. Um, yeah, he was the drummer in in Loud House, which is all, now the name of a show on like one of the kids networks with some really annoying um, kids, like cartoon kids. Um, oh, they were they're on the soundtrack to Point Break. Oh, um, and then he was also. They co-
0: wait, am oh, sorry, we, we can't go past this. Okay. They're on the soundtrack to Point Break and they cover Deep Purple Smoke on the Water. Oh. Whoa. I think I'm reading that correctly. That is a that is a mistake. Well, Vinny Dombrowski also
1: played drums in a band called Warp Drive, which was a heavy metal band from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Which is where I now I'm getting the connection to Nina Manasha, which is two cities in in uh Wisconsin, uh, okay, so I think maybe he's from Wisconsin, maybe, so he seems to have a ba- you know he has a background in multiple bands. um I don't know about the rest of the guys um I know that after this, Joey Mazzola I think played with the Detroit Cobras for maybe a couple records or or he had some connection with them. Yeah, he played in a couple records in the 2000 early 2000s. Um and um Jimmy Paluzzi of course went on to play a Horse with John Speck. and also the Fags which we've mentioned. And uh, yeah, so I get the sense that maybe this was a band that came together. That these were guys that like
0: maybe knew each other. Sure, other bands bounced, bounced around the scene and sort of decided, "Hey, we all kind of like a combination of the most talented people and all the other bands." Well, the, because the, they all, I, I think a lot of these songs, um, most of the band, if not all of the band, gets writing credit. Yeah.
1: Well, Mike Cross, who was the guitar player along with Jimmy Paluzzi, he was in Loud House as well. So kind of making sense now that maybe this was, um, you know, something that, uh, that came together... To, to make this record rather than it being like a band on that, w- you know, was together for a number of years and cutting demos and playing around yeah. Detroit. Like, it sounds like more, Oh, these were all experienced players or at least a couple of them. And then they were like, let's put, you know, he had already been on a major label with couple bands. I'm talking about Vinnie Dombrowski. So maybe he had a deal and was like, Hey, I need to put together a band. Who knows? Right. Right. I did reach out. He did not respond. So we won't get the true story about uh, Sponge.
0: We can speculate.
1: Yeah. That's what it was. So let's talk overall rating, Jay. Worthy album, better EP, or decent single? Where do you land on Rotting
0: Pinata? Well, I feel like I've talked myself into a worthy album over the course of this review. Um, I also post notes. I've been listening to the, so I I took notes over the weekend and since then I've given the record a couple more spins and some of the stuff that didn't work, even up to the point where I was, you know, really writing down my thoughts worked better. Um, Particularly like Pennywheel and Rotting pinata Pennywheel for sure. Like didn't really resonate with me until the last couple listens. Um, and I'm with you on the chorus, like when it really comes in, it, it is pretty cool. The, I don't love the the way sort of the end of the record. Um, the hidden track is candy corn is a waste. Um, mm-hmm. Rain in is like I said, it's, it's promising, but ultimately disappointing. So the album kind of starts slow and ends slow for me. Um, so I, I was really leaning a little bit more towards the EP, but I'm really, to get there, you know, cutting off like three or four songs, which seems like if you're that close, those songs aren't bad. They're just dull or not as good as the others um, in that they don't either from a songwriting standpoint fully seem realized or from a sonic point of view just don't do anything particularly interesting. Um, So... I think I'm going to wear the album. I'm with you in that, like, it does cohesively hold together, you know, as a, as a record. Um, You've got some variety in there. I think it just gets right to the edge of, you know, variety to the point of being almost um, schizophrenic. (laughs) Like if you just contrast something like Nina Menasha and Molly, you know, those are pretty, pretty drastic ends of a spectrum, but um there's something about the way that they perform it and and his voice that makes it gel. So uh, I think I'm going to worthy album.
1: I agree with you. I, I I think it's a worthy record and it does have weak spots. It's, it's a little flabby in some moments. There's times when, you know, there's a little too much guitar strumming and nothing else going on. And it's like, just maybe cut that out. Or like you said, there's some unnecessary bridges. There's, definitely songs that are 5 or 6 minutes long that could have been 4 or 5 minutes long um, but i think it's a it's an interesting listen in terms of its production and just in terms of the overall sound and it doesn't fit perfectly well in with what was happening in 1994 it's got its right. own little thing that's going on and i i respect that
0: so um and that holds from like i said when i first heard the the band i had the same kind of impression of like okay this kind of fits in with everybody else but it's also different like it doesn't sound like nirvana it doesn't sound like alice in chains it doesn't right. sound like pearl jam i see some comparisons to stp but they were more contemporaries with them
1: yeah um,
0: so yeah i think they they were able to at least on this record and the one after you know define a little little space for themselves
1: well that's our take on Rotting Pinata by Sponge. If you have a take, you can uh, voice your opinion over at Patreon or on our Discord page by joining us at our DMO union uh, for just as little as two bucks a month. And uh, it's also where uh, you can go to read up on our box newsletter that goes out each week, which you can also sign up for at digmeoutpodcast.com. Every week it goes out. Reviews of new music, books, movies relevant to the 80s and 90s. Um, and now we're, we're doing, uh, patron submitter reviews, f- which is fun because it's, uh, gives me a break from having to listen to not only the albums that we're reviewing on the podcast, but also then reviewing records for that. So I appreciate when people, uh, submit because all I have to do is read them and that's, uh, helps shorten my week a little bit. Uh, Also, if you go to the website, it's where you can suggest albums that go into our polls. And uh, again, congratulations to uh, Darren Lehman for suggesting uh, Rotting Pinata and for its winning. And uh, if you like what you heard, Apple Podcasts, that's where you can leave some uh, positive feedback for us if you're so inclined. Uh, We greatly appreciate it. So for Jay, I'm Tim. We're out and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out.